This is the 12th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Julia Jeske. Each week I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. And if you don't know me, I have a long history of covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. Okay, this week's headline. Fox News gaslights its audience with wildly inflated abortion stats non-existent riots at anti-choice clinics, and Democratic Party revenge plots against Putin. A condensed overview of 15 hours of Fox News for week ending May 8, 2022. A typical Fox News viewer might think that roving gangs of crazed feminists were firebombing churches across the country, that every woman and girl of childbearing age had had an abortion last year, and the war in Ukraine was a revenge plot hatched by Hillary Clinton to get back at Putin over her 2016 election loss. I wish I was kidding about that headline, but all of that was discussed and more last week on Fox News. This is a very clip-heavy show this week, so I am going to not talk much. I'm just going to try to go to clip to clip to clip. This first clip is, I think, where Fox News was hoping to go uh, last week because they pushed this really hard on Monday across two shows. And it was a very minor incident that they turned into this big, huge event. And then, of course, everything skidded right off the rails because Monday night it was revealed on Politico that the SCOTUS draft ruling that's just a draft but it got leaked which has never happened before about roe v wade and everybody lost their minds so we're gonna i'm just gonna play this clip because this is shows you kind of how they use repetition and they over push a story that's really not that big of a deal so i'm just gonna play the clip Antifa members attacking a peaceful rally in Portland. As Antifa was launching... Okay, so Antifa was launching these smoke bombs at this peaceful rally for a Republican candidate for governor. Oregon, you know about Antifa. But Antifa, to respond, because they know that uh, Antifa doesn't mess around. Uh, Antifa known to conduct violence there. We're greeted by Antifa. We've declared a war on woke. We're sick and tired of the Antifas. Well, good luck to you, because it looks like Antifa's running that town. Exactly. Well, let's not forget, CNN was the one that was defending Antifa, remember? Antifa protesters crashing a Republican rally is how much the liberal press told us that Antifa wasn't real. Antifa literally attacked them. Let me just talk about Antifa. Antifa comes out and they say, we are anti-fascist. Antifa is the group that doesn't get arrested. Antifa started, we first heard, Antifa is nothing more than an arm of the Democrat Party. Antifa and BLM, but of course. Can't offend Antifa, they're a vital constituency. They used Antifa to do it. I started to track Antifa on Twitter and immediately Antifa was calling to terrorize their oppressors. Antifa. It's, it's like being the smelliest member of Antifa. I'm an Antifa. It's from the uh, Democrat Antifa lunatics trying to burn things down. There are so many amazing clips in that, from Ducey doing the whole Antifa runs this town, to uh, Judge Pirro calling them the arm of the Democratic Party, which is hilarious if you actually know some Antifa or anti-fascist 
activists. They tend to be more on the anarchy <laughs> side of the political spectrum. They hate Democrats. They hate Republicans. They kind of hate everything. They never work with the police or any form of law enforcement. Um, they, they are just, you're true. Like, of course it's a spectrum Antifa and it's not an organized group at all. They always say I was tracking Antifa. Like what, who, who's the leader of Antifa? You don't know. Cause there isn't one. Um, because it's, it, it just means anti-fascist. It's not organized. They're not funded. It's just sort of this ragtag group and people wear black and they show up. Now that, uh, rally that they're talking about, you would think that that was like 500 people that showed up in all black as Antifa, the army. In reality, it was 10 people, approximately. And they had balloons full of paint, fireworks, and smoke bombs. No one was hurt. There were two injuries, but they didn't go to the hospital. So I don't know how serious they were. Um, no major property damage. No one was arrested. I'm not condoning groups to show it was a, a someone running for governor had a rally in a park and this antifa showed up i'm not condoning anybody throw paint balloons at people or shoot off fireworks or smoke bombs but i don't think this was really that big of a deal um but of course fox wanted to run with it and i think they were trying to make this antifa week because they love to go after antifa but then like record scratch the SCOTUS draft was released, and everyone, and I mean everyone, changed on a dime to that topic. This next clip is from Tucker Carlson. It gives you a good idea of where the tone of the rest of the week went, and that would be gaslighting. If you don't know what gaslighting is, it's basically when you tell someone a reality is happening that is not happening. It's considered a form of abuse, actually, emotionally speaking, but I'll just play this for you and you'll understand immediately what I'm talking about. And so, of course, under these conditions, violence is already beginning. Abortion lunatics just vandalized a church in Colorado. The same thing has happened to a pro-life counseling center in Portland. In Los Angeles, demonstrators threw rocks at cops for some reason. What did they have to do with it? Who knows? War on the system and they injured one of them, went to the hospital. But Merrick Garland isn't worried about any of that. His fellow Democrats support that. They're calling for it. They long have. So I just want to preface again that Tucker was talking about people who are for the right of people to have abortions. So this is abortion advocates somehow terrorizing anti-choice clinics, churches, and the homes of justices. Now, there are people protesting in front of the homes of justices, but so far nothing, at least at the time that I'm taping this, has happened. No violence has happened. I don't know if that's the most effective protest, but people are doing that. Let me just give Tucker and any listeners some background. This is why people, I had to listen to this same rhetoric the entire week from every show on Fox about how dangerous, so-called dangerous, the abortion advocates are going to be. This is reality. All told, from 1977 to 2020, acts of anti-abortion violence included at least. This is from Ms. Magazine. This is an infographic. I looked this up in a couple different sources. Here we go. 11 murders, 26 attempted murders, 956 threats of harm or death, 624 stalking incidents, 4 kidnappings, 
Crimes at clinics have included 42 bombings, 194 arsons, 104 attempted bombings or arsons, and 667 bomb threats. The last one that's not included in that because it was in 2021 was just this past New Year's Eve when someone burned a Planned Parenthood in Knoxville, Tennessee down to the ground. Burnt the entire building. No one was hurt, but the building was completely destroyed. So, there are, as anyone knows, in the United States, there are escorts outside of most Planned Parenthoods and abortion clinics who help women walk in because they are harassed so aggressively by anti-choice activists. They scream baby killer. They have pictures, gigantic blown up images of fetuses that have been ripped apart, blood, gore. They're, they're condemning women to death. It's a nightmare. So you're going to tell me that you're worried about the fact that a pro uh, an, an abortion advocate might show up to an anti-choice clinic and cause violence. Where is the track record here? I think the track record is very obviously on one side and it's not the pro-abortion side or pro-choice, however you want to call it. So <laughs> that was just what, what I just showed of Tucker was one of many. Hey, here's another clip, uh, Greg Gutfeld on The Five, where he basically blames any violence committed by the right on the left. And this sounds a little tricky, but you can hear what he's talking about in the clip. Um, but the Republicans don't do that. They don't see the other side as evil. They see the other side as wrong. So they're less likely to get physical. Of course, there are there are extreme, you know, there are exceptions. But the Dems have a have the memories of goldfish. Don't they know if they normalize this behavior? The right always learns from the left. It wasn't like the Tea Party just came out of nowhere. I mean, before that, you had Occupy Wall Street. Uh, January 6th actually came after Antifa uh, BLM, right? And also the riots. So there's a, there's a, if you normalize violence, you're also normalizing violence for the other side. So it would be best if your political leaders would condemn this, because I hate to tell you, you know, it's it's. You know, it it always it, we, we're in this cyclical thing and, and Republicans, activists, conservative activists, they have an internal braking system. They don't lose control or destroy things because they're more prone to process order and orderliness. That's why you don't see that's why these right to life marches are so calm and so peaceful. And that there's no litter. You're right. I mean, right. it's because like, when you go right. to climate change. So, yeah, that's Greg Gutfeld basically saying the only reason why there was January 6th is because of Black Lives Matter protests. And the only reason why the Tea Party was formed was because of Occupy Wall Street. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. What are Republicans babies who can't think for themselves unless they see the left do something? And by the way, when did Black Lives Matter storm a Capitol building anywhere in the country, break into it, smash windows, threaten people's lives, beat up a bunch of cops. I mean, there's 140 cops who were injured on the day of January 6th, and there were five deaths. So I know that there were isolated deaths around the country in riots, but again, I, I, I didn't see a state Capitol building terrorized and broken up and smashed in, and I didn't see a pile of cops being beaten on camera 
in mass, like I did from January 6th. And Occupy Wall Street was a bunch of people hanging out in a park for the most part. So I'm not sure how that led to the Tea Party, which actually got quite a bit of their funding from corporations. But okay, Greg Gutfeld, okay. Now, can I remind you, Greg Gutfeld, that 11 people have been flat out assassinated by so-called pro-life, anti-choice activists. Eleven. That's almost a dozen. And four of those people were doctors. But let's just forget that and we'll just blame all violence on the left, which is what he did there, and make crazy blanket statements about, well, right-wing people don't do this and left-wing people don't do that. I mean, give me a break. So this next clip is by Judge Janine on Judge Janine. I always say her name like she would. Um, it's uh, just a side note. It's very funny to see her narrate something on Fox Nation because it's that same sledgehammer voice that she uses about Hunter Biden or maybe something else. Drug use by Hunter Biden. Anyway, sorry. I just I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to adjust the volume on that because I just blew it all out. Anyway, <laughs> this next clip. I literally stopped and started just going, what are you talking about? So I'll just play it. You'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. And my stats that I have are that there are 63 million abortions a year in this country. Oh. Those are the stats oh. that I heard. I'm that's again, five that's more a little too this. much. I got so when I was in grad school, my uh, media concentration was data. And data is spreadsheets, numbers, coding, nerd. So I, <laughs> I'm not really a numbers person. But by journalism standards, I'm a numbers person, uh, kind of the nerdier verbal people. Anyway, so I, I immediately knew 63 million was completely way off because the population of the United States is about 329 million. And I said out loud, that would be every woman and girl who could have babies. And I wasn't far off. So I looked it up and childbearing age in the United States is considered... Um, age 15 to 44, and there are approximately 64 million women and girls between the age of 15 and 44. That's it. So Judge Pirro is basically saying every single girl and woman between the ages of 15 and 44 had an abortion last year, and of course they did not. The number is closer to like um, 630,000. So um, and it's actually, abortion's been going down for years, and they, they seem to not notice that. Um, and the things that make abortion go down are comprehensive sex education, access to contraception, and um, just general wel welfare. When people are doing better, they're more likely to have children because they can afford to feed children. So, um, yeah, that was crazy. And Judge Pirro did correct herself later in the week. She didn't say where she got that 63 million because I wasn't the only person that immediately went, what? There were posts on Twitter from any number of sources over that crazy uh, claim that she just made, 63 million. It was just so nutty. So anyway, I included some things on the newsletter that I want to go over now on the podcast as best I can. There was a great clip that PBS... Um, made in this week about the history of abortion in the United States. And I debated clipping it, but then I didn't have to because PBS did it for me and put it on YouTube. So I have a link to that. It's called Exploring the Complicated History of Abortion in the United States. It's from this past week. It's PBS NewsHour. It's very comprehensive, yet brief. 
Um, so you get a sense of why what was once considered just a normal practice and people didn't question it and it was not stigmatized, which would be abortion, suddenly became stigmatized. And it was really about, this is their hypothesis, agree or disagree, more about the control of women's bodies and the control of medical care for women and a way to take power away from midwives who had been kind of dominating that scene for you know hundreds of years and to put that in the hands of doctors who at the time were male. Um, I know that's part of it and there are, there's a lot of political ramifications behind abortion, but it was, it has been practiced since ancient times. Christopher Columbus wrote about seeing native women, um, indigenous people, um, in uh, Hispaniola, when he first came over, practice abortion. They did so out of economic need when things got very, very dire. They would um, terminate pregnancies early to try to save the kids that they already had um, to keep them from starving, that kind of thing. And of course, he saw indigenous women do it because he was terrorizing indigenous people, he and his crew. Um, it, it was practiced in ancient times. There's evidence of it all the way back pretty much to the beginning of human history, uh, women would induce abortion by taking poison or inserting poison into their bodies. Of course, women died sometimes from these practices. Um, the history of back alley abortions is incredibly, incredibly awful. Um, women, two things go up uh, when abortion is criminalized and that is maternal death rates and suicide. So you have women who might die from a pregnancy complication that a doctor is too terrified to treat because he doesn't want to get, or he or she doesn't want to get um, arrested for, uh, for practicing abortion when they're really just trying to save a woman's life. It can get dodgy. What, you know, where does this, where does that line, where's that line drawn? Um, and then the other thing is that women who, um, when you say maternal death rates go up, it's because women try to induce abortion and accidentally kill themselves or, you know, maim themselves to the point that they can't have children anymore or cause all kinds of damage. Um, and then the other thing is suicide rates go up because young girls and young people mostly who are desperate to terminate a pregnancy just kill themselves instead. Um, and in the most severe circumstances in countries like El Salvador, women are actually imprisoned um, for uh, miscarriages. So they may have a miscarriage at some point in their pregnancy. And what tends to happen is someone else will accuse them of practicing abortion when in fact, what happened to them is just horribly bad luck. Um, uh, miscarriages are incredibly common. So it becomes a point of you go through this horrible tragedy, you want a baby, you have a miscarriage, and now the police are investigating you. That is a real reality. That happens all over the world where abortion is criminalized. And that's why people get so worked up about this issue. I also included a link to the latest Gallup poll on abortion, and I have a chart that's very handy. And these are the two questions that when you add them together, the result even surprised me. So... The percentage for, this is two, two different categories, legal under any circumstances, legal under certain circumstances. So people who believe it should be legal under any circumstances and legal only under certain circumstances when combined together was 
only 19% of Americans feel that abortion should be illegal in all circumstances. Now, that middle category of legal only under cer certain circumstances could include a lot of things. That could be some people saying only when a woman's life is in danger. It could be some people saying only when a woman's life is in danger and she's an incest victim or a rape victim. Without going deeply into the study, it's hard to know exactly what that percentage is. However, 80% is fairly overwhelming. That only 19% of the uh, country thinks that abortion should be legal in all circumstances. So this is another topic that you're going to hear your Fox-loving friends push quite a bit in the next few weeks and months, depending on how long this plays out. This idea that taking Roe v. Wade out of the courts and putting it back to the states is somehow more democratic. There's a huge problem with this, but this is what they're gonna push, and this is what they kept saying over and over and over again on Fox last week. The reason why this is a problem should be obvious. The fundamental human rights of one person should not be dictated by the mob. So for instance, much like Jim Crow, where the majority of white people took away fundamental rights of black people, um, it would be like saying, Brown-eyed people can get health care, and brown-eyed people can vote, but blue-eyed people can't. Well, we outnumber you blue-eyed people, so, you know, that's, de that's democracy. That's actually the tyranny of the majority, and that goes all the way back to our founding fathers, talked about, you know, beware the tyranny of the majority. So you should not be able to take away a fundamental human right from another individual just because you outnumber them. And in this case, it's kind of what's happening. Now, they could argue that the fetus has fundamental human rights. Fine, if that's what they want to argue. Even though the fetus is technically attached to and part of a woman's body until it is born. So, it, you know, I'm not going to give you my opinion on this. But I'm just saying that this whole, that's how they're going to frame this. This is more democratic. This is more democratic. I personally think this is tyranny of the majority. And I don't think that... A state should have, I will tell you this, the state should be involved in somebody's personal health issues, but whatever, that's what they're going to push. And that's what you're going to see over and over again. Uh, that argument's going to be very, very heavily used. And just as a disclaimer, I want to make a point that I am using the term pregnant woman, and I'm talking about women's health, when of course there are people that are not women who get pregnant. However, the AP just issued um, a standard, which I like to try to follow the AP because it does get very confusing from a journalistic perspective, that unless you're talking about trans people in relation to um, cisgender people, it's okay to just say pregnant women because it's just easier and you're talking about what is the norm in most cases. But of course, men can also, trans men can also get pregnant. Just wanted to put that out there before anybody's screaming at me that I'm leaving them out. I don't mean to, I'm just trying to simplify this argument. So that's why I'm using the term pregnant women and women's health. Okay. This next clip is, I think, very funny because it's Judge Janine correcting Tucker Carlson, sort of. I put them out of order. I put Tucker first and Judge Janine second. They're talking about the man who attacked Dave Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl. Tucker gives his opinion on how this man should have been charged and Judge Janine, former prosecutor and former judge, gives her opinion afterward. You can probably tell 
which side I'm going to side with because one person used to be a prosecutor. She might know more than the other. Here's a story you kind of knew you would see. George Gascone, that's the Soros-backed pro-criminal prosecutor in LA County who's done so much to wreck our second biggest city, has decided not to file felony charges against the man who physically assaulted comedian Dave Chappelle during a performance at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of nights ago. No! The man's facing a misdemeanor charge for running up on stage at Chappelle with a knife. Oh, why? Why the lenient treatment? Because Dave Chappelle made fun of the trans movement. Try that at a Michelle Obama event and see what happens. Probably not getting a misdemeanor charge, right? You see how it works. But I got to tell you something about this, this attack on uh, Dave Chappelle, who I love, by the way. Um, if he didn't have that weapon on him when he was attacking Chappelle, then it's not a felony. I'm sorry. That, if that, and I hate to say this, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. If that thing was in his backpack, and if he didn't use it in the assault on uh, Chappelle, maybe you could say it was an attempt at an assault as a felony. But right now, Gascon, by sending it to the city court as a misdemeanor, is probably right about it. Um, I don't know what the guy's record is. Should it have been $30,000 bail? I would have given him a hell of a lot more bail, only because anyone who's willing to jump onto a stage like that and assault someone in front of that many people mm -hmm. has no fear. He has no fear, and I can guarantee you that there's more in this guy's background. But uh, unless it was within his reach, it's not a felony. Now, in a perfect world, we'd get to see that in real time with Tucker Carlson saying his crazy stuff, and then Judge Jeanine bursts into the studio, and her tiny little self just goes, Listen! I judge Jeanine! I used to be a prosecutor! Did I mention that I used to be a judge as well? You're wrong! And I can tell you why you're wrong. And then just Tucker would crumble, crumble into a little puddle of, in his khakis with his loafers and just cry and weep. Anyway, I just, I, okay, that's probably not going to ever happen. But I would love to see it, wouldn't you? I think, I think most of my audience would like to see that. I mean, judge, say what you will about Judge Jeanine. She's 70 years old. She probably weighs 95 pounds wet. And she holds nothing back. She also has amazing shoes. If for no other reason to watch Fox, I just, they put her in the camera, like she's in the, in the shot on the five so you could see her shoes and you know they do that on purpose because it's a bunch of retirees who watch the five because it's on at five freaking PM. Who else is watching television then? Okay. So people ask me all the time how I can stomach 15 hours of Fox News every week. And that's one of the ways I do it is I kind of turn everything into like a joke and all of these people kind of become characters to me and that's just how I cope. It's just, I'm constantly mocking them in my brain. So, um, and I would love to see uh, Judge Jeanine just like go off on Tucker. It would be hilarious, but it won't happen. Anyway, this next clip is one of my favorites. I don't always have it every week. It's, I got to get way back from the mic. Clutch your pearls. Clutch them. Clutch those pearls. It's when Fox gets really worked up over something that they also do, or Trump did. Anyway, so I'll just play the clip. Uh, the new press secretary, a lot of people are saying we're raising some questions. She, her partner uh, is actually a reporter at NBC. And then uh, at CNN, a a excuse CNN. me, Suzanne Malveaux. And then you have, uh, you have Jen Psaki going right to MSNBC. So I'm like, can it be more transparent? We, well, uh, the linkage? We know exactly who they are. So there, Brian Kilmeade is getting upset that there's some overlap between MSNBC and the current White House and NBC. 
let me just list this is i have this written out okay this is a short list this is not the full list of people who either worked for trump who now work at fox or briefly worked at fox or people who worked at fox who then went to work for trump i'm not going to get to all the names because there's quite a few kaylee mcinney um dana perino didn't work for trump but she worked for gw bush went straight from White House press secretary to Fox News. Hope Hicks briefly worked at Fox Corporate Communications. Sarah Huckabee Sanders went from White House press secretary to on-air contributor at Fox. Raj Shaw was White House deputy press secretary. He's now a senior VP at Fox, or at least was. Bill Shine went from Fox News executive to Trump deputy chief of staff. He didn't last long. Then we had Heather Newart, who went from Fox and Friends to the Trump administration. And then, of course, we have Scott Brown. He was an on-air analyst, and now he's an ambassador, or he was ambassador to New Zealand. And then, of course, we have KT McFarland, who was national security contributor, who then worked for Michael Flynn at the White House. You also have Anthony Scaramucci, who went from Fox Business to White House communications director, briefly. And a couple other people whose names I can't pronounce, but it's quite a list. And you can, I have a link to it in the newsletter. So yeah, just clutch your pearls, shut up. Like for them to be outraged about that, like Dana Perino, Dana Perino, Dana Perino, Dana Perino. She's like <laughs> been on that network forever. And she went straight from, I mean, there may have been some gap, but it was like, I work for George W. Bush. I work for Fox. So, and Kaylee McEnany, are you kidding me? Okay, so. The last clip, and then we're going to wrap things up very quickly. We're probably going to do 35 minutes this week. Um, this is just another wacky, completely insane theory pushed by Tucker Carlson, where he basically tries to blame Hillary Clinton for the war in Ukraine. They've already blamed uh, Hunter Biden for a bunch of this stuff. So, you know, why not? Just when in doubt, just blame Hillary. The Russian government, quote, hacked our election. That was Jen Psaki not long ago saying it out loud like it were true. Now, here's the context. As she said that, Psaki was trying to explain why the Biden administration is, in effect, working to overthrow the Russian government right now. And for once, Jen Psaki was telling the truth. That is why. Democrats have convinced themselves that Russia stole the presidency, which rightfully belonged to Hillary Clinton. And they mean it when they say it. And that's why they are taking us to war with Russia. Now, there are a lot of things going on here, a lot of threads, as in any big story, but on some level, the core motivation is just that simple. Here's what we know it's not. We know the war in Ukraine is not about saving democracy, please. We know it's not about protecting the sacred borders of a sovereign country. We know the Biden administration doesn't care about those principles because they run our country and we see how they act. And we know for dead certain, and this comes as sad news to a lot of Americans who are compassionate, but we know now that the war in Ukraine is certainly not about helping the Ukrainian people, those poor people. Many more Ukrainian civilians will die, certainly, thanks to the Biden administration's policies. If you wanted to save Ukraine, its people, its infrastructure, its nation, you would push for a settlement now. You would have done it two months ago, but they're not doing that. They've rejected it out of hand. So that's not their goal, saving Ukraine, saving human lives. No, that's not their goal. Instead, the war in Ukraine is designed to cause regime change in Moscow. They want to topple the Russian government. That would be payback for the 2016 election. Okay, let me just destroy his ridiculous theory. Number one, the Russians have uh, dismissed peace talks multiple times. People have tried to get them to sit down and, and discuss some type of settlement, and they won't do it. They don't care. They just want Ukraine. They want the whole country. Um, number two, 
Russia has made no bones about trying to reclaim its empire from the Soviet Union. They've gone into other countries, including Georgia. They've messed with Belarus. They want it all back. Number three, there's this place called Europe. It exists and it has hundreds of millions of people in it. And most of Europe has backed Ukraine as against Russia. Why on earth would the EU care about our 2016 election? They don't care. They're not buying oil. They've got sanctions. They're, they're, they're giving humanitarian aid and weapons to Ukraine. That is other countries besides us. So absolutely absurd. Totally nuts, that theory. It makes absolutely no sense. And the person that's not playing fair, who's not negotiating, is Putin. We are not in charge of this war. Putin invaded Ukraine. Okay, so very quickly, before we run out of time, the stories that were covered, that were not covered on Fox News, were just two, because everything was dominated by the SCOTUS situation, was the foreign minister, Sergei Larov, made a comment where he basically said Zelensky... Just because Zelensky was Jewish didn't mean he couldn't lead a neo-Nazi regime. That got a lot of coverage, but Fox didn't mention it. And then the second one was very, quite sad. A new survey uh, found an increase in suicidal thoughts for LGBTQ youth. That was the Trevor Project. And of course, Fox isn't going to mention that because they, they, they trash trans people constantly. Um... And very quickly, by the numbers, you, the, the graphs aren't that far different, uh, except for, of course, PBS spent a lot more time on Ukraine than Fox. Of course, they have to mention AOC. I don't know how, but they, they always find a way. Fox always finds a way to bring up AOC no matter what. And then they kept calling um, the woman who's in charge of this new um, disinformation governance board, Mary Poppins, and that was ridiculous. And they keep attacking her personally, which doesn't really make a ton of sense. Just attack the policy. Don't attack this poor woman. I mean, like, she, like she's 33 years old. What did she do? She hasn't done anything yet. So next week, I will be covering Fox and Friends, The Five. And we're going to pivot to Hannity this week, just to mix it up. And thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Always appreciate it. Tell your friends. Check me out on TikTok, Instagram. YouTube, Facebook. I'm going to be adding more videos. I'm going to have a special episode dedicated to the 2000 Mules situation because people keep asking me about it. That's it. 35 minutes. We did it. Be back here next week. I appreciate it so freaking much. Thank you so much. Thank you all for coming to my one woman show. It's nice to meet